Well, welcome. My name's Steve, and I'm part of the team here at Door of Hope. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, I'm a regular here at Door of Hope, and uh, been on staff here for a little while now, and uh, it's my 12th year as senior minister in the life of uh, our church here, a great uh, community of people. Speaking of that, I'd just like to pray. Is that okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come around your word once again. Your word is alive. It's active. We invite you into our hearts, into our lives. Would you speak to us in these next few moments? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I consider it a privilege this morning to share with you with, uh, in this particular subject uh, because uh, we just come out of a series of, uh, just a week or so ago uh, that have been talking about marriage, sex, and dating. So uh, I'm really excited to share with you about something a little different to that. If you, if you know what it's like to prepare a message and your mind is in one of those three things, um, it's, uh, it's nice to get out of that particular kind of setting into something different. And so uh, this series we've entitled Generous God. We've got a slide there. Have we got that? It's already been up, hasn't it? Can we put that up? This has got a bit of a meaning behind this. I don't know if you figured it out. I'm not going to give you the answer. In fact, I, I find it hard to remember the answer. But uh, John's down the front here. He designed it. And so uh, feel free to try to figure the meaning of this particular design out. But generous God, this is part two. And if you weren't here last week, can I encourage you to get online through our website or through our podcast and to keep up to speed because it was a great message that uh, Ben Fair came and uh, brought to us last week. And he started with the first point, just a quick recap if I could. Uh, it was a long weekend. I realized some of you weren't here. He said this, that generosity is in God's nature. Do you remember that? Generosity is in God's nature. In fact, generosity is who God is. That's who he is. And he started saying that it's the generosity, uh, God demonstrated his generosity, first of all, through creation, yeah? Through nature, through wilderness, through um, uh, the mountains and the oceans and animals and the stars. And he didn't quite say this, but I'm going to add on. The gorge. Yeah? <laughs> Cradle Mountain. Um, Freysenay. Yeah? Um, Liawini. <laughs> I just love how Liawini kind of appears on the, on the weather forecast every night. Ooze and Liawini, uh, wherever that is. But uh, <laughs> No, I think I've, I have driven through there. I have. I have. Uh, it's down south there. So, anyway, so you're getting an idea. God demonstrated his, his generosity through creation. And uh, he placed you and I, Ben said last week, he placed you and I right smack bang in the middle of his creation. Even the way God created you and I, he created us. Uh, the Bible teaches us that we are, in, in Psalm 139, that you and I, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You think about it for a moment, the human mind. He's given us an incredible ability to, to think and to have free will been uh, Free will, Ben mentioned last week, five, the five senses, um, the, the taste of food. How good is food? <laughs> but he said, Ben went on and said that his, his generosity didn't just stop at those things. That his generosity went on because of God's people going our way and not his way. God would continue to guide his people. God would continue to provide for his people. But that's not all. God would continue to give his people, do you remember the third P? Purpose. 
He would continue to provide his people with purpose. And I don't know about you, it's so important in life to have purpose. Retired people, it's what you retire from and what you retire to, your refinement. It's important in retirement to have purpose. Guidance, provision, and purpose. Yet Ben finished kind of saying that the ultimate act, you remember that, the ultimate act of God's generosity was what? God's one and only son, and his name is Jesus, the God's one and only, one and only son. And now we move into part two, having a deeper understanding of God's generosity is that it should move us. It should touch our heart of hearts as we, as we move from that foundation to respond to his generosity. So how do we go about doing that? The big idea of this message this morning is this. How absurd. <laughs> how absurd. I don't know if you've ever said that to someone or somebody said that to you. How absurd. How absurd. How absurd that the Australian cricket team are going to lose this year's World Cup. That's absurd. Thanks, Royce, for coming with me. That's absurd, yeah? That is absurd. How absurd that Steve's football team is going to win this year's grand final. Hmm, I'm not going to tell you my football team, but some of you know. That's, that's absurd. That's absurd. Where I'm coming from, as we reflect on what Ben shared last week in part one, that that's absurd in what you and I get to be a part of. God's generosity, that is absolutely absurd. Can you say that's absurd with me this morning? That's absurd. Come with me on this. That's the big idea. Let me support this through Scripture, if I could, from 1 Chronicles. It's an Old Testament book. And uh, from the New Living Translation, it says this, Yours, O Lord, who's? Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, say these words with me, the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Yours, O Lord, is those things, right? <laughs> Everything. Where? In the heavens and on earth is whose? Is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over how many things? All things, very good. Thanks for coming with me on that. Now, of course, throughout Scripture, there are a number of verses that clearly suggest that it all belongs to God. And guess what? Because of that, we need to feel this tension of carrying and managing what doesn't belong to you and I, what is clearly God's. It's all His. And so, as a manager... Of what is his, I take my cues from him. Um, here at Door of Hope, we highly value, we have a value here called profitable stewardship. And every now and then we talk about our values, but one of those values is being profitable stewards of what God has given and blessed us. Now, this word stewardship, a biblical word, stewardship simply is simply management. It's a spiritual issue and it changes the way that we handle debt. 
It changes the way that we do our budget. And by the way, if you work in business or a company, you work within a budget. Of course, if you want to keep your job, you have to work within a budget. And so it changes the way you handle debt. It changes the way that you do your budget. But it also changes the way in which you give. Because it isn't yours to give in the first place. And so every time we give, it's a reminder of ownership. That we aren't the owner, but quite simply we are to steward or we are to manage that which has been given to us. And so because of that today, I want to talk about this subject of generosity from the the gospel according to Matthew. It's from the 21st chapter in the book of Matthew. We've already kind of seen the clip, and that's just a little clip, uh, talking to us about this particular passage that tells us the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. A very popular biblical story. Some of you may be familiar with the term uh, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. This is a Passover festival. A lot of people are gathered in Jerusalem on this particular day, and of course, this is the week before the death and uh, burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pick it up in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Feel free, if you have your Bibles here this morning, feel free to open those. If you have your smartphones, go to Version and type in Door of Hope, and you should be able to find us. And if not, it's going to be on the screen for us to follow through. It reads like this. Check this out. Hang in there. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, which they will. There it is, there it is, there it is. Thank you. Uh, Donkey, go for it. Very good. I kind of pre-warned Stuart before. All right. So some of you go, what was that? A heckler in church? No, it was a donkey. One more time. Very good. (laughs) All right. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Now, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. (laughs) The disciples went and did as Jesus had, sorry, I'm wrong, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey, all right? The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Press pause this just for a moment. Hosanna means salvation. Salvation. What they're saying here is that here comes God's salvation. Here comes grace. Here comes forgiveness. Here comes mercy. Here, is, here comes God's plan goes on, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the, the whole city, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? 
The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's get straight into this. There's four little insights I've, I've got from this particular uh, text this morning. The first is this, that it's absurd. It's absurd that God asks us, have we got that point there? Yes, thank you. For what he needs. It's absurd that God asks us for what he needs. The God, think about it, the God who created us. The God who created donkeys. The God who owns everything asks you and I for what he needs. It's absurd. Come with me just for a moment. What does he do? Once again, let's go back. He sends two disciples, two disciples to look for what? For a donkey and a cult. Because the Lord, what? The Lord needs them. The Lord needs them. Let's think about this for a moment. God of all creation, he could have saved himself a whole lot of time by saying, we're on a mission here. We've got something to fulfill here. He could have magically brought a donkey and a colt into existence with boom. He's done it before. Remember the water into wine. He's done it before. He could easily do that, right? He could easily do that. My son's coming into town to do the most important thing that's ever been done in history for humanity. It could save a whole lot of time and a whole lot of hassle what he could have done was to, re well, to, to invent what Pixar, I think Pixar or whoever it was, invented this. Is that Pixar, by the way, or somebody else? Is it Pixar? I think it's DreamWorks, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's DreamWorks. Anyway, so this is, well, it's not Shrek. He's out of the movie, Shrek, but it's called Donkey, right? <laughs> That's original. <laughs> what should we call this animal? Donkey. <laughs> Donkey, and donkey speaks, donkey speaks. Now, of course, God, the creator, could have said, boom, donkey speaks, but he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Let's get this, let's get this right. God borrowed a donkey from someone that is absurd. He asked to borrow something for which he had already created, let's not forget, that Chronicles passage, let's go to another verse, the psalmist, Psalm 24, that the earth is the Lord's and what, how, how much, and everything else in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to him. So he could have ordered, <laughs> that's my donkey and that's my cult, yet scripture teaches us what, this particular verse teaches us, that the Lord needs, needs them. The Lord needs the donkey. The Lord needs the colt. That's absurd. Evidently, evidently, God had already touched the heart of the owner of, he <laughs> doesn't have a name, so we're going to call him Donkey Guy. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to call him Donkey Guy for the rest of the story. You see, God can do stuff without us. But he doesn't. He chooses to work through us. My talents, your talents, my time, 
your time. What a generous God we have. The fact that God comes to people in whom he has made and he asks to borrow things that he has created, that's absurd. The idea that Door of Hope Christian Church has to build an all-day childcare center, that he could make happen just like that. In fact, in many, many ways, he pretty much has. It's an absolute miracle what he has caused to happen there. And so when God says to Door of Hope that I want you to reach people, that I want you to create spaces that will have impact and environments where people can do life with and ask questions like Gray asked questions to pursue me and to build community during the week at our Alpha courses and our marriage courses and our, um, our Care Force Life Solutions courses and our Connect groups. When God says to Door of Hope that I want you to, your reach to be not just locally, not just nationally, but to the nations to bring hope, to bring life and to the, and to the love of God. God, in this fragile and uncertain world, our response ought to be, God, if you want to use my donkey, I'm in. Count me in because it's really your donkey anyway. Number one, it's absurd that God asks us for what he needs. But number two, it's absurd that Jesus rides into cities on the generosity of ordinary, ordinary people. That's absurd. <laughs> That's absurd. Now, he could have come into uh, Jerusalem any which way he wanted to come in. Why not military style? Why not a Black Hawk? They hadn't seen Black Hawks back in those days. Let's come in a Black Hawk. Let's come in military style. Let's get a jet to fly. Let's bring a, let's bring a choir into to play here. A thousand, no, no, no. A, hundred, no, a million piece choir as he comes into Jerusalem. Let's throw a bit of fire over here. Let's, let's, let's have a, maybe a cloud, a cloud. Maybe he comes in on a cloud. Uh, what about a bit of pomp and splendor as Jesus comes into Jerusalem? Jesus could have come in any way he wanted to, yet instead he rides in on the generosity of a guy who has a donkey and a cult. Hmm. By the way, by the way, that's how he intends to ride into the city of Launceston. On the generosity of ordinary people. He came in riding low to be lifted high. This is the way of the kingdom of God. Keep in mind, just a don it's just a donkey. It's not a Ferrari. It's just a donkey. And, and by the way, by the way, if you do have a Ferrari, that's fine. Bring the Ferrari. But if you only have a donkey, don't worry, don't worry, because no one praises the donkey. They didn't put those palm branches down and wave them and applaud the donkeys that day. They weren't paying attention to the donkeys. No one praises the donkeys. The donkeys were what? Was simply a platform. A platform 
For people to praise the one who was making a way for the salvation of the world. That's what God used the donkeys for. God doesn't just simply appear in cities, by the way. He arrives and enters into cities on the generosity of ordinary people. That's, say it with me, that's absurd. That's absurd. That's absurd. Verse 10, I love verse 10. Can we've got that, that up there, is that all right? Here we go, yeah. When Jesus entered Jerusalem... The whole city, the whole city was what? Stirred and asked, who is this? I love verse 10. <laughs> Just think about this for a moment. <laughs> because if Donkey Guy, I know this is a bit far-fetched, if Donkey Guy had Instagram, it would go viral, wouldn't it? It would go viral. Scripture teaches us that the whole city, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Is this not what God wants for our city? To be stirred? To ask, that, that church that you go to, that, that building, um, there's, there's a fair bit going on down there, isn't there? <laughs> What's it all about? What, what on earth are you doing? What are you trying to do? Uh, who is it? Who is it you're trying to, trying to follow? What's happening there? There's a lot of action. In fact, I've been there myself, been to an event or go to the gym. There's a lot going on. What, what, what on earth are you up to, this door of hope deal? Anyone else having any conversations like that? Or is it just me with people in our community? So how is this going to happen? How do we see our city stirred? How... Um, how do we go about this? Uh, yes, uh, through the church, yes. Uh, yes, becoming increasingly Jesus-centered and others-focused. Yes, but through our generosity. Through our generosity. Through our generosity, an all-day child care center, care center will be built. Will be built. Riding into town on our generosity. You think about this just for a moment. Can I just, be, can I just have a heart-to-heart just for a moment? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, think about this. If you have showed up here at Door of Hope within the last 16 years, that's how long we've been here since we relocated from Frederick Street to here. If you've showed up here at Door of Hope within the last 16 years for the first time, all of this was here before you were. Guess what? You came riding into town on the back of someone else's generosity. And we are so glad you did. We are so, aren't we, Door of Hope? Come on. We are so glad you did. Gray, stand out the back there. We are so glad you did. Jess, where is she? Still getting ready. Jess, at the back. We are so glad you did, Jess. And many, many others of you, we are so glad you did. It's absurd that God asks us for what he needs. It's absurd that Jesus rides into cities on the generosity of ordinary people. And number three, it's absurd that our generosity writes us into the story of God. <laughs> Think about it. 
Think about Donkey Guy just for a moment. He's written into the story of God. He's written into the Gospels. He is in the Bible. I'm not in the Bible. You are not in the Bible. However, however, it's the ordinary unseen acts to God's prompting in our lives that writes you and I into the story of God because that's how he rides. That's how he rides. That's the kingdom of God. Let's think of a few other stories, just if we could, just for a moment. A couple of other stories. There's this story in the Bible uh, entitled The Widow's Might. It's a might. Uh, the Widow's Offering. The Widow's Offering. This beautiful story of Jesus observing the giving in the temple treasury. And she's in the story. She's in the story. Recorded in Luke chapter 21. And he saw this poor widow put in her two very small copper coins and they weren't worth much. And he said that this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And Jesus saw this. It moved the heart of Jesus for this to be recorded in his story, in, the, in um, the Bible, in Scripture. Another story, another story. Um, uh, the little boy with the five loaves and two fish. <laughs> He's in a story. He's in the Bible. He's in the Gospels. Because he feeds, well, uh, Jesus uh, uh, feeds the multitude. Why? Because God chooses to invite people into the story. Not because they're important, but because they're available. Because they're available to be used through generosity to God. The fact that we are in the story, everyone say with me, that's absurd. That's, abs that's absurd. <laughs> Why? Why is donkey guy? Why is he in the story? He's available through generosity to God. He wasn't just generous. He was generous. <laughs> is that all right, Wayne? That one's for you. I've been waiting all week to say that one. The fulfillment of prophecy, um, Zechariah chapter 9. Yeah, and of course, I mentioned it before in Matthew chapter 21, that God promised this 500 years earlier through this great prophet that this was going to happen. One man's generosity fulfills God's destiny for a city. Which gets me thinking, I wonder, I wonder, don't you? I wonder what promises of God to our city and to the world in which we live that we are going to be a part of fulfilling because of our generosity as we get written into the story of God. Hmm. Good old donkey guy, he gets for the rest of his life, doesn't he, to tell the stories. Tells the stories and uh, he tells the stories. Those were, they, were, they were my donkeys. He tells his children and his children would grow up telling their story that that was my dad's donkeys. Could you imagine in heaven his name badge being donkey guy or generous ass, whatever. I can't wait to meet donkey guy. Fourth and final one. It's absurd that you always get back more than you give. 
That's absurd. That's absurd. As outlined in Scripture, God wants to provide for you so that you are blessed to be a blessing for others. Now, it would be a clear assumption. Now, it's not in Scripture, but it would be a clear assumption that Donkey Guy would be following along after his two precious pride and joys. The side of the road where all people are singing and throwing things and celebrating and singing, Hosanna, this is salvation, this is God's plan. And when Jesus gets off of the donkeys, he gets his donkeys back. They don't crucify the donkeys, but they crucify Jesus. And donkey guy, he gets his donkeys back. What does that mean? Well, it could mean a couple of things, really. He takes them home. He's quite proud of his donkey. He ties his donkeys up and they need a little rest. They've been through a little bit this, this, this time of their lives and they, they eat a little bit. And so he goes into his house. He tells his wife and this massive parade that, that happened today in our city. The palm branches were, were swinging and on the ground and they were singing, they were yelling. I didn't fully understand what was going on. Thanks, Gray. But our donkeys today, wife, carried Jesus into the city. Guess what? Guess what? Once again, a clear assumption would be that the donkeys didn't change. They went back to normal. They went back to doing what donkeys do. (laughs) But something that day changed in Donkey Guy. What changed him? Generosity changed him. (laughs) If you become absurd and be generous to God, something will change you. The Bible puts it this way. Can I allow the Bible to speak just for a moment? (laughs) Whoever sows generously... It's the Bible. Reaps generously. Another one, Luke 6.38. Um, Jesus. Um, give and it will come back to you. He didn't say keep, by the way, did he? He didn't say keep. No, he says give and it will come back to you. Press down, shaking together and running over. <laughs> There's that little song, is it, Royce? Yeah. You see, when you give... You get that chance to see God just like the, two, uh, the five loaves and the two fish. You get to see it being multiplied when you give. How did God give? For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, Jesus. He gave His absolute best and it multiplied. It multiplied, didn't it? You think about it. The life of one for the lives of many Those who call Dora of Hope home, just lean in just for a moment to let me share with you what's at stake here. And it's this, the site that you're on today, 
the facilities that we have the privilege of being a part of the buildings, the worship experiences, the ministries are only possible because somebody, someone, someone decided to commit to generosity. Why? Why? Because we're on a mission to see this city stirred. To be the donkeys that carry Jesus to people who need him the most. All of us, it requires the opening of our hearts and our hands. Practicing the absurdity of generosity. I'm going to bring this. This is it. This is it before we share a meal together. It's communion. It's not a big meal, just a small meal. You don't have to participate, by the way. But ultimately, ultimately, here's the deal as I finish this up. This is not a story about two donkeys and the generosity of donkey guy. It's not about that at all. Here's the deal. This story is about who is riding the donkey and the amazing generosity of our God. Can I ask a question this morning? Who's ready to be a donkey? Who's ready to be a donkey, a carrier of the generosity of God into our city? Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for writing us into your story. Father, thank you for for writing into our story. Thank you for your generosity. Father, you've, you've written into our selfishness. You've written into our sinfulness. You've written into our brokenness. You've written into our our arrogance. And you've given your life, and we're reminded in this small meal, you've given your life that we might be rich in the things that matter. Grace. (laughs) Faith. Joy. Peace. Love, forgiveness, and life. Help us, we pray, to become the most generous group of people in our city as we untie our donkeys and take what we have and use it for your glory. And so this morning as we take this bread biscuit, it reminds us of what you went through. It reminds us of your body. It reminds us that you are broken as we are broken and you are putting us back together. As we take this juice this morning, it's a reminder once again that Jesus shed his blood for us so we don't have to walk in shame or fear or condemnation, that we can walk in confidence that we are forgiven. And that mercy abounds. We're thankful for these two things this morning. We remember and we choose to remember 
Jesus. May we take these few moments to stop, to pause, to reflect, to think. And it's in Jesus' name we give you thanks and praise. Amen. I'd like to invite the team now to come and serve us, communion, and uh, feel free to stay where you are. We're going to dim the lights just a little bit, allow us to have this time to reflect and to participate in this meal together.